0: So not knowing what you shouldn't be doing next is a fantastic thing. So don't let other people tell you, well, you're not advanced enough for that. And it might take you a really long time, but if you want to learn something new, if you want to make something, because looking at that sweater inspires you and you want to have that and you want to make that go for it. It might take, it may take take you a long time and you can stop and rip things out and try again. But But I love not knowing what you're not supposed to do next. I think that's the greatest thing for a knitter.
1: That was Patty Lyons, a nationally recognized knitting teacher and technique expert who is most known for her teaching the why, not just the how, in her pursuit of training the mindful knitter on this episode of the Power Pearls Podcast, where you'll always hear candid conversations with everyday knitters and designers with compelling backstories. I'm Kara Gott-Warner, editor of Creative Knitting Magazine, and I will dig deep and ask the big question, why we started knitting and what keeps our needles going? Welcome to the Power Pearls Podcast. Today I'm chatting with knitting teacher and designer extraordinaire, Patty Lyons. Patty teaches knitting classes at events such as Stitches, the Knit and Crochet Show, Vogue Knitting Live, and at yarn shops and retreats across the country. Patty, welcome to the Power Pearls Podcast.
0: Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me on this very early, early Saturday morning.
1: <laughs> okay. So I've shared a little bit about you, Patty. And now I'd like you to just fill in the blanks and share a little bit more about your background so uh, the audience can get to know you.
0: Oh, how far back am I going? <laughs> I was born on a sunny day. Um, well, let's see. So in my knitting life, it's a it's a long and twisty tale, as most of us have, Um I started in retail. So I ran, well, before before I ran shops, I ran two different shops, but before that, I thought I was going to buy a shop. So that was my first inkling was I'll open a yarn store. I mean, how many of us I, I, probably there's no one you've interviewed and no knitter walking the earth that hasn't had that thought at one point like I know what I'll do, I'll open a yarn store. So, um, yeah, so of course, (laughs) of course, (laughs) um, then I actually found out there's, uh, there's a lot of yarn stores already out there and a lot of them are doing awesome jobs. And, um, I didn't really have anything. I I didn't feel like there was a, a, a hole in the market that I could fill something. So anyway, I moved on from that. (laughs) So retail, Retail was not, um, in my destiny, but out of retail came really something incredibly important, which is that I found out I love teaching. So, you know, it, it starts in the smallest ways that you don't even think are teaching, which is customers coming in with problems with the, oh, help, look what happened, you know? And I, I think I, I, like, I remember what, I remember I was working at a store in, in the East village and um, and, no, sorry, West, it was actually the West village. And I was always fixing mistakes in people's knitting. You know, that's, that's what you do when you work in a yarn store, anybody out there that's worked in a yarn store, you know, that that's a giant portion of it is people coming in and help. And I don't know what got into me, but one day I just, I, I, I took the knitting and I started to fix, but then I, I kind of looked at the person and handed the knitting back. And I said, do you want me to show you how? And I honestly, I don't know where that came from, where, you know, (laughs) why that day I decided to ask, would you like me to show you how, instead of would you like me to just do it? And she said, yes. So that was the beginning of my teaching career. Um, So yeah, now that I do that full time, I teach, everywhere all around the country um which involves being on planes a lot but if there was some someday I'm I'm hoping I can teleport somehow like just program in North Carolina hit send and then I I'm there teaching knitters which would be amazing but aside from how often I'm on planes I I love what I do so I teach and I design and I work for magazines and um Sometimes when I have the gumption, I'll self-publish. But mostly I think of myself as a teacher who, who designs. Like back in my old life as a stage manager, actors would classify themselves as I'm a singer who acts or I'm an actor who sings. So I always think of myself as I'm a teacher who designs. Well, I was
1: going to ask you about that, Patty, because um, just so the listeners know, you were also on my other podcast, The Morning Cooldown, and uh, you kind of went a little into your background um, as a stage manager, and, and and that's really where you started knitting, right? I mean, can you talk yeah. about that a little bit, you know, a little bit more? Because that's, I love that little, little piece.
0: Yeah, I started, uh, well, I mean, I learned how to knit when I was a kid, but then, like a lot of us, you know, just kind of moved on and, and forgot about it, but... So many people on Broadway knit, um, hair and wardrobe people, actors, crew. It's just really popular because it's portable. You can put it in your little apron, which a lot of the hair and wardrobe people wear. Um, and so I just kept noticing like all these people knitting and sort of thought, oh, what? Well, that seems, that might be fun. What are you making? What are you doing? So yeah, I was doing a 42nd street was the show. And the assistant hair supervisor was really into knitting and, and he was the one who got me going again. And then I just became completely obsessed. And since I guess 2001 was when not a day has gone by without needles in my hand, that, that kind of began just every, every, every day. And there've been a bunch of theaters. I, at Lincoln center, we knit all the time. That was another theater that was nonstop knitting um, me and the other stage manager, and there were two actors in the show that knit all the time and the uh the the associate the the producer of musicals he loved to knit he called himself a nervous knitter, <laughs> so he would it was like a he in his office there was this giant garbage bag full of hats because he would just sit in rehearsal and it helped him really concentrate a- and listen. He said if his hands were going, he could listen more actively.
1: So he wasn't really a nervous knitter. He was just, the The knitting helped him not to be nervous, right? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> I,
0: I, I just think he had to be doing something with his hands at all times. But then he said, you know, if anyone says they have a birthday coming up, he's uh, he's ready to go for any occasion at any time, which I thought was kind of brilliant.
1: And isn't there a lot of, you know, kind of standing around and waiting? So yes. I mean, knitting is why, you know, knitting helps that. It makes just standing in line or waiting behind stage or whatever you're doing in yes. life. It's like, oh, this is such an opportunity, right? I mean, it's so yes. true.
0: There was there was this one show called Desa Rose, and tech is the period where uh, you leave the rehearsal room and you move into the theater, and you add all the technical elements before the show opens. So tech can go really slowly. Like, you can spend eight hours and get through the first – literally i'm not exaggerating two minutes of the show like eight ten hours and you're two minutes into the show so we my my friend francesca and i used to compare you know how many the sock to script page ratio like how many socks have we finished knitting and how many script pages have we covered we, we knit a lot of socks best i love page. that
1: sock yeah. to script
0: <laughs> yeah that was, that was the ratio
1: Wow. Okay. So you, you kind of, well, you went into this next, the next question a little bit, maybe, but, um, so all knitters have a story about why they started. And in many cases, it has to do with a loss, uh, you know, a change in life or so, some kind, you know, something like that. So Patty, was there an actual pivotal moment in your life that turned you on to knitting?
0: You know, I get asked this a lot. And, and I think that it, although it's true that sometimes there is that people come to knitting in crisis, sometimes people come to knitting because, you know, there's been um, something very painful in their life and someone has shared with them, oh, you should try knitting, it's relaxing. And although that's true, and I it, that there's a beauty in that, sometimes I, I get sad that there's not the focus on the positive and I actually came to knitting while I was in an extraordinarily positive time in my life I loved doing 42nd Street so much it was um, a lot of change it was a lot of excitement I moved up quickly through the ranks from sub which is you know you're a substitute you're not one of the full-time stage managers to what's called the second to the first. It was a really creative time. It was a time of um, really challenging myself with new and kind of scary work things. It was one of the most complex technical shows. And so I, I actually think it was just being surrounded by all this creative energy, these people that I was working with that I thought were amazing and a lot of new exciting challenges. It was a lot of movement. It was a lot of movement, but none of it was negative or stressful so much as change. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and really, and, and just creation all around me, just being surrounded by really creative people and amazing people and people that did what they did better than anybody else. So whether that was, the, the actors and the dancers, amazing dancers, but all the technical people. I mean, I'm just, I was surrounded by people that were at the top of their game and Mm -hmm. that was a really fabulous time. And so I think I was in a particularly open place to letting new things in. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because you can see something every day of your life. It is not like the day I noticed Jean-Jacques pull a pair of socks out of his apron. That was the first time I'd ever laid eyes on knitting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, It's not like, mm -hmm. oh, what's that thing I've never seen? I've seen it a million mm -hmm. times. Like, you're not ready to see something until you're ready to see something. Exactly.
1: And also, it's the presentation You know, and so for you, you were saying that this change, it was changed, because I said, what change in life, which this was, because you were surrounded by these people that were at the top of their game, but there was all this, uh, you know, technical, you said technical, uh, things were very technical, it was a different, it was almost like a big learning curve for you in in a certain way. And so you, you know, knitting helped you kind of move down that path.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know whether it helped me move down the path or whether it was simply part of my part path. of your part of your path. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And because there was just, um, I think, you know, like I said, you don't see something until you see it. You, you have to be, it, it's a, it's a, it's a very mysterious little quilt, you know, and you never know well, what, what was it that made me notice that thing that day that I didn't notice the day before? Well, part of it is, you know, What's happening with you? Are you open to learning something new? Are you in a place where you're like excited and um, receptive to all sorts of new ideas? Whereas maybe the day before you had seen the exact same things and just kept moving. Mm -hmm. So it's always, it's a very mysterious thing how new elements enter your life and when you're ready to have them enter your life. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or am I just babbling on a Saturday no. morning?
1: Totally makes sense. <laughs> so when was the, what was the moment that you knew or you started having this feeling? So maybe it wasn't like the sky opened up, but when did you know that, hey, you know, this could become a business for me or I want to, I want to start a business. I want to figure out how to make a living doing this thing.
0: You know I think i I was out on the road with a show called Jersey Boys. I was in um San Francisco for the first national tour and um there was an amazing group of knitters I loved them so much called Chicks with Sticks uh, that met in Noe Valley although they weren't just chicks they were there were men and women it was just a great name um and I used to go there every Monday night you know i was I was on the road I was away from my home I was away from my husband um As great as the cast is, you know, it's just hard seeing the same people every day and not having your own friends and your own things. So they were a really important lifeline for me. Um, It was every Monday night, the back of a bar, fab, unbelievable cocktails and knitting. Cocktails and knitting, such a good, (laughs) such a good combination. It's great. So, but but don't, but don't
1: knit stockinette because, you know. You'll get those uneven stitches.
0: Eh, It's just, it'll it'll all block out. It's okay. (laughs) It's all, yeah. Blocking is a beautiful thing. So I used to go there every Monday and, um, you know, at first I just sat and I would listen to other people talk and, and um, I just used to talk about how, and I I always felt bad because I I didn't want to be ungrateful for my job, for everything I had because there are so many stage managers out there who would have killed to be on a national tour, to be on Broadway or, you know, work at Lincoln center on course or anything that I did. So I always felt very, very, uh, aware of never complaining about work in front of other theater people, but these were non-theater people. So, you know, I, I would, I, I was, I was tired. It's a really, really hard career. It's 60 hours is like your base hours. And I was, talking about you know I I don't I I, it was I think it was a woman her name was Eleanor and I said something about I had I'd messed up this sweater and I had to rip out like the whole sweater I I didn't do a gauge swatch I mean I knew better but I just I had cast on on the plane and so (laughs) so basically I I knit the entire now this is it's used in a lecture that I give a, a sort of comedy lecture called Oops! I accidentally knit a dress. Tales of lies, heartbreak, of denial. <laughs> you know, so I knit both the front and the back of the whole sweater. I mean, and I had started the sleeves. And I, you know, now I say in the in the when I when I give this talk, I say so. Now, what would you do if you knit the whole back of the sweater? It was clear; it was absolutely obvious that it was too big, that it wasn't going to work out. And and it, inevitably, a knitter will shout out you cast on for the front and I'm like exactly you know so it's all about denial
1: mm-hmm. so I had
0: I had I just kept blindly going forward with this thing that wasn't working right this giant sweater this thing that wasn't working just kept doing it what's the definition of insanity right so I ripped out I'm ripping out the whole thing in the bar and talking about how I you know I can't believe that I just kept I kept at this and w- when it was clearly wasn't working and why wasn't I listening to or looking at the evidence right in front of me. And, oh, if only I could, you know, if only you could change your life as quickly as you can rip out a sweater, you know, like I, at least I could start, I can start this sweater again, you know? And Eleanor was like, well, why can't you? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I'm, you know, I think back then I was, how old was I? I don't know. <laughs> I was already old. I mean, I was in my, I was in my forties, and I said, "Well, I mean, you know, I'm in my forties. I'm not just going to start a new career." She's like, "Why not?" Mm. I, I, what, uh, I, 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 don't know. <laughs> you know, like I had no good answer to that. She's just like, "Stop complaining. You come here every Monday night, and you talk about how you miss your husband, how you wish you would go home, how you're sick of theater, how you know." you want to do something else so just do it already so it's was like uh okay maybe I'll do that yeah, is, so, is Eleanor
1: still you know is she like one of your advisors today I mean, oh you need no, a, everyone needs an Eleanor I, right to tell you <laughs> like this is you know like a mirror right
0: yeah that's no, I, cool I, I I I. she was just like so many people that pass through your life you know she was just a woman at a bar yeah so a lot sure. of people pass through your life and make a great impact and they have no idea that they did, you know, cause they said one little thing that to them meant nothing, but to you was like,
1: what? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's like all those people are just, you know, it just, it just goes to show how connected we are to people and how we rely on everyone, potentially everyone that walks, you know, uh, across our path it yeah. can be a, a teacher or you know a helper in some way yes yeah. yeah
0: but again like you you don't see something until, you, until you're ready to see it so if someone had said that a month before maybe it would have had no impact I just I just don't know mm-hmm. you know I don't know what the what is the magical combination of someone saying well why don't you just quit and if you love knitting why don't you try that What's the magical combination of when that actually affects you? At some point, you have to actually be open to that idea for that information to enter your consciousness. But yeah, I thought like, um, okay. So I started looking at ads for working in a yarn store. And that's how it started. I saw a Craigslist ad. Wow. Yeah.
1: And so that's where, so your first foray in the business was working in a yarn shop. Yeah. Wow.
0: And, and bizarrely, and this is really, really random. I answered the Craigslist ad and the owner of the shop, she was looking for a new manager and the owner of the shop said, well, I'm, and I didn't say in the ad that I wasn't living in New York. I, I didn't say when I responded to the ad, I didn't mention that because I thought, well, I, I've got to figure out what are the details of the job? When does it start? You know, is there any flexibility? Because I was in San Francisco on Jersey boys when I answered this ad and she emailed back and said, um, well, I'm not available. Uh, I'd love to do a phone interview. I'm not available to have an in-person meeting because I'm, I'm actually out of town right now in San Francisco, hmm. which is where I was. Wow. And so I emailed back, well, that's kind of a weird coincidence. I'm in San Francisco. So we met at a At a hotel lobby in San Francisco.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, You were, you were ready. It was there (laughs) waiting. So what did that teach you though? I mean, so you, you know, here you were, you started in a yarn shop. Now I know I worked in a yarn shop for a very short period of time. Uh, and I learned so much about knitters and their behavior and, you know, then where was that bridge or, you know, that place that you, you kind of, you kept learning and then you were like, okay, now I'm going to teach, you know, I'm going to teach and then I'm going to break off, break away and go independent. Like, what, what was the progression? Just because, you know, I think the audience might like to hear in a, yeah. a quick, you know, <laughs> kind of timeline there. Like, how did it progress?
0: Well, I mean, the the initial teaching, like I said, was came from that moment when I was just working with an individual knitter. And so then it started like, oh, okay, okay I'll give private lessons. Because whenever we try something, I, I think, this is true of a lot of people, you know, you have that, well, who do you think you are moment?
1: Mm-hmm, like exactly. Why, you they, know? they call that the imposter syndrome. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Yes. Um, or the dilettante. I, I, mm-hmm. my, my friend always says, you know, she calls herself a dilettante. But yeah. So the, well, who do I think I am moment? Um, so I was giving private lessons. And then I would teach, you know, like little group lessons in the shop. And I remember it was um, the knit and crochet show had a uh they they were they had been doing two shows a year and they were going going down and they were doing one show this one year and they put out this big call like we're going to do one show but it's going to be a fabulous show and we want to get applications from great teachers and my friend zanti said oh you should apply to teach at that show and i said oh that's ridiculous (laughs) that's ridiculous i'm not a national teacher i'm just a local teacher i just teach in shops um, that's crazy. And she said, No, 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 you you have something to say. You have a really unique voice. you you always explain things to me in a way that no one else has explained them to me. So if she had not pushed me, I never would have applied to teach nationally because it was the who do I think I am syndrome of like, I'm nobody. Why would anyone want to sign up to take a class from me? So yeah, I, I do think. Even really confident people need an outside voice to say, No, 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 really. I'm not kidding. You should do this. You're really good. But it has to be an outside voice that you really trust. Absolutely. That's very judgmental.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And and but 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 when they tell you this, it's coming from it's not coming from a place of ego. It's coming from a a true place of caring and, you know, for you and, and your in your future you know, so it's, uh, it's hard to find those people.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, her bar it's, you know, I love my mother, but if my mother said, Oh honey, you should do that. You know, I'm not going to listen to my mother because she, you know, your mother thinks you can do anything. It has to come from a friend who is pretty discerning, whose opinion you trust, who you think, well, if she thinks I can do it can't just be someone who's such your cheerleader and thinks you can do anything because then you think, yeah, you always, you think I could run for president. I'm not going to listen to you. You know? Yeah. So, So, yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, so as a business owner, what would you consider your biggest struggle?
0: Uh, I mean, not running in a million different directions at once. That's hard. Um, that's the, sh- I call that the shiny. Object shiny. I was just going to say the shiny. Objects. Uh, <laughs> yes. So I'm hard. so guilty of that myself. It's so hard. Yeah. And I talked to so many of my friends and it is not uncommon. Mm-mm. It's just because we are by ourselves a lot, a lot of the day we're by ourselves. Now, recently I joined, um, a cooperative office called the Brooklyn creative league and I've only gone, I just started. So I've only uh, had three days there, but I think it's really going to help just being in a space filled with people each doing their own thing. It's kind of an active buzz of activity. And, you know, you could take a break, go to a coffee room. Cause I think what happens is when you're alone in your office all day long, it's really hard to stay on track and follow through on one idea instead of going, or I could do this or I could, and then you have a 10 half finished ideas. So that's really hard. It takes an extraordinary person and an extraordinary amount of self-control when you work for yourself, with yourself, to really keep yourself on track. It's tough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally relate to the shiny object syndrome. Yeah uh you know I, it's like i'll have an idea and i'll just run down a rabbit hole um but i've i've gotten to this habit where and i don't know if you use evernote or if anyone out there uses evernote but i'm like <laughs> a, i'm like a you know total i
0: know you are oh uh, you know you i love am it. obsessed
1: right so but what i do now is so i have this thing called a brain dump folder which you know i'm not the first to come up with this um Uh, I've learned this from the many other podcasts I listen to uh, being the podcast junkie listener that I am. But um, so anyway, so I've created this folder called uh, brain dump. And so I could be out and, you know, I type it into my phone, this idea, and it ends up in the brain dump. And then I put you know, I kind of sort it out when I'm sitting at my desktop, let's say, and I'll kind of move things into other folders. And I actually have this one, like called a later list or a late later ideas. Uh-huh. So it's sort of like a put a pin in this, you know, and right. think about it later. Because yeah, I, I Yeah, I want to do it. I want to do all of it. But it's just just because I need to wait, you know, it's doesn't mean Uh, you know, oh, it's over. You know, I, I mean, I, I just kind of tell myself, it's okay, you can do it, but just wait until later, right? You know, and then I feel better about it. (laughs) You know, uh, because yeah, you you know, you do have to make choices, right? Um, doing those things that are really going to produce the the best results for business and in life. So uh, if you don't start making those choices, nothing's going to happen, baby. (laughs) you
0: know, right? Um, so that's but what should not go in the later file? is your life. Because that's the other challenge of working for yourself is working seven days a week. You know, there's no clock. So there's no time to clock out. So um, that's this year's challenge: is to not have the later light, the later file be like, enjoy your life. See your friends, go to a movie. Mm. So I'm really, really working hard. And I think part of um, being a part of the Brooklyn Creative League is going to help establish that by walking out of an office and walking up the hill, because it's just down the hill from where I live, uh, to go back home so that I can have a weekend or, you know, this, this begins my evening, because when you work from home, it just the the work just continues straight through dinner until bedtime and that's another giant challenge when you work from home is to stop
1: right because you don't have that kind of structure you know right. you're actually getting in your car or walking uh, right. you know to this this other place Um, so, uh, and also accountability groups. I mean, you know, you and I, we've talked about this, I'm in a few myself, uh, and they really, you know, they keep you on track. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're working for yourself or you're, you know, you work as an employee. Um, you know, if you want to get somewhere in whatever you're doing, you just having these, these groups of people to, to really bounce ideas off of. And a lot of times in these groups, you know, you're in the hot seat, you know, where it's like, all right what is your goal? And then, you know, or, uh, what you did, you had a goal from last week and you have to set, you have to talk about like, okay, this is what I did. And if you don't, if, if you don't, uh, uh, you know, keep your promises, you know, then those people are definitely gonna, you know, call you on it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that they're really valuable. Those, those kind of settings. And so, Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm going to just switch gears, you know, a little bit here, Patty. So I want to ask you, here's where you can get a little woo-woo, okay? So outside, <laughs> uh, outside of your business as a teacher and designer, how does knitting contribute to, to the quality of your life in regards to, you know, your overall health, happiness, you know, maybe spiritual, you know, contentment, whatever you want to call it? Um, how does it kind of contribute there?
0: You know... Just this week, I, I discovered something interesting about my knitting, um, and I, I'm not really sure whether, I, I'm, I'm trying not to put a judgment on this, th- that it's not negative or positive, it just is. But I've had, um, there's some stuff going on, I'm, ha- I'm having a, 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 there's a little rough patch in our, in our lives here, um, where, with, where we live, and my husband and I are going through some struggles with, with our co-op and some legal issues, and just very, a lot of stress. And I wanted to knit other people's patterns. I wanted to just knit. Mm. I wanted to just move stitches from one needle to another. I'm not in a creative place right now, and I'm trying not to put a judgment on that that i that i when I'm in stress, what I want to do is knit. I don't want to design a new pattern. Um, I want the comfort of picking up needles and not having to create the pattern, size the pattern. So I, I thought I just want to knit someone else's pattern this week. I want to move stitches rhythmically from one needle to another and find that comfort of the, the, the yarn moving through my hands and not, you know what? I want to find the comfort of not thinking. That's what I wanted. Mm. That's, that's actually what I wanted. Uh, not thinking. And knitting is very rhythmic. It's very meditative. It's very soothing. Um, and I, at first I thought like, Oh, it's such a negative thing. Like the, the, you know, these negative energy, these, these, these people are sucking the creativity out of me. You know, and I put so much judgment on that, like that I can't that I am I don't feel like I can create right now. Just in this pocket right now. But then I I sort of let go of that creativity that 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 judgment on the lack, quote, lack of creativity and just thought, Well, knitting has always been something that's been there for me before I design my own stuff. I just knit other people's patterns. So why is there a judgment there? Why can't I just go back to what knitting's always given me, which is when you make something with your hands, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And it just gives you a piece. Um, So I've just like, knitting some garter stuff, just knitting, knitting this week.
1: It's wonderful that you found that because I think a lot of designers can get caught up in the designing aspect. And they can get burnt out and forget what they fell in love with. And you know, I know when I became editor of Creative Knitting, and I left designing, I said, "I am just going to knit other people's patterns," and I can't yeah. wait. Yeah, I, <laughs> you know, and uh, it brought that love back and that yeah. essence of why I picked up my needles in the first place. Um, and and so I think. We get into this business, if anyone out there else is listening to, you know, that, that is in, in business as a designer, you know, we got into this because we knew we loved, we loved it. And right. sometimes that you get caught up in the business side and then you don't love it anymore. And that's sad. Yeah. Um, but I remember this, I wanted you to talk about this, uh, this little metaphor, I guess, this little story that you discussed in the, on the morning cool down episode uh about how knitting is almost like uh prayer beads like knitting in the
0: round is almost yeah like, I, I just uh, when well you t- it, it doesn't have to be in the round it, it is moving we move one stitch at a time from the left to the right one at a time from the left to the right that's exactly what meditation beads are if you're catholic it's what prayer beads are you move the beads through your fingers from the left to the right, from the left to the right, one at a time, one at a time. So I, I've always found that really peaceful and meditate. And I don't think it's a coincidence either, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know, that, and, and you know, the other thing about knitting in a meditative way and knitting someone else's pattern that I discovered is when you've designed it, you know how the story ends Mm. you you know every twist and turn because you've already figured it out because you had to do that to design it so part of that even say if you're going to be your own sample knitter so you designed it and now you're knitting the sample I couldn't figure out well why is that not as satisfying as knitting someone else's pattern because I already know how the story ends if I've designed it I've already figured out every twist and turn on paper, mathematically, Mm. before I pick up the needles. I'm not discovering it as I knit because I'm the one who created it. So Mm. I could, I only recently figured that out, that there is, and you know, it's so funny because a friend of mine's a designer and she just can't, she's like, what? I never knit my uh, other people's patterns. If I want to knit, I'll pick up and design something and knit, but that's because lace just flows out of this woman woman mm-hmm. um, her name's Brooke Nico and she's uh, just, I thought you were like, going to
1: talk about Brooke okay <laughs> uh, she, I do just,
0: <laughs> she just like breathes lace yeah so when does. I when yeah. I said to her sometimes I really love to just knit someone else's pattern she's like oh no if I want to pick up needles I just pick up needles and But that's because she's like a cartoon character. Like if you do a cartoon of her, it'd be like, oh, I think I'll pick up needles. Oh, here's some yarn. And then like lace just pours out of her needles. Yes. Like without thinking. She's
1: she's just chit-chatting and she's creating a pattern and it's effortless and it's just, yes. I mean, uh, yeah. But there's
0: not a lot of her walking the earth. I mean, that's not normal. What she does is not normal. Absolutely. You know. But yeah, I just I I figured that out just recently when I'm knitting someone else's pattern. It's also part the delight and the surprise and wondering what's going to happen next, and you know that's part of
1: it. Absolutely.
0: So Patty, you have a
1: an Annie's video class coming out pretty soon the next couple of months. You want to share? Actually, there's two. There's two, I was going to say two, not two? one. There's two workshops coming out. So I'm really excited about this because you know we have been working on this together. I know. <laughs> and uh, actually, we're going into the studio next month in July. It's like two weeks. To tape your classes. And yes, it is so it's, much fun. I mean, it's it, it days isn't, away. isn't the group that, that the Annie's crew, aren't they just so much fun? I mean, we, we had a blast it, last time.
0: Is it all my, is it the same peeps? Yeah. Same peeps. All, oh, I'm so excited. I was going to ask you that because you know, um, for the radio audience out there, I filmed last summer and I didn't know whether I was going to get all the same people. So same camera guy. Everyone's the same. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you got yay. you got Scott. You got Dave. Oh, I'm Dave. so excited.
1: There might be one. I I, I don't know. Uh, one of the editors uh, might be different, but um, yeah, it's it's the same crew. So okay, that's that's good. Yeah, and they're all excited. They can't wait to see you. Um, oh yay! Yeah, totally. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. So Patty, do you want to ch- you know kind of give us the quick uh, overview? On <gasps> Am I allowed?
0: The- Am I allowed to reveal the secrets? Well, yes. Yes, okay.
1: because you know why, because I will actually it's it's so funny how this sort of it's gonna be like time time uh time will oh, already be out yeah this is this is gonna okay. already be out 'cause it it goes on sale in um September, early September or late August, something like that something like that so this this uh yeah, this podcast goes live september first
0: so, like when, so like this, when they film Letterman and they talk about <laughs> how you know the things that have actually haven't happened and they have to pretend like, oh yes that I had a lovely Christmas, you know, but they're taping it like in October.
1: Exactly. So, we, and,
0: so and we'll pretend it's already filmed. We'll pretend Didn't or, the filming we,
1: go well? Yeah, but see, you know, <laughs> we don't have to pretend. Uh, someone who said this, I think it was Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, he said something like, uh, or one of his guests said, you, you, you think things or you talk things into production. So like, for example, if I were to say, hey, listeners, we've got this great e-course coming out. It's going to be live next month. So like in your mind, like let's say it's not even created. So then it's like, okay, now I got work to do because by the time, you know what I mean? And and it's, that's what's so cool about a podcast. <laughs> but anyway, so we've already, you know, we're being real, we're being transparent. So yes, uh, as we're taping this episode, we are going into the studio next month and that's, it's all cool. So, um, but yeah, so Patty. Uh, well, the, the talk-
0: first class is... Um- Exactly connected to the, my the very first moment of teaching, so that one's really really important to me. So I, you know, I said when I was working at at the point was the name of the yarn store. I ha- my very first moment of teaching was handing someone their knitting and saying, "Would you like me to show you how to fix that mistake?" So that has been really important to me, showing people how to fix mistakes. So I'm really excited about being able to teach a class on fixing mistakes in knitting. Because to me, that's the thing that just stops us in our tracks and and doesn't allow us to move forward. So I love fixing mistakes. So I'm really, really, really excited about that one because I sort of think it's the the original source of my teaching. That one little moment of teaching a knitter how to pick up a drop stitch, you know, and we are so full of fear. when, when we make a mistake, it's, it's almost like the knitting becomes a, a, um, no longer an inanimate object, but this thing that is trying to hurt us, you know, where we have to, it's just our knitting. <laughs> it's our knitting. It's, it's not, not going to fall apart. Right. right? I it's mean. not <laughs> our, it's not our enemy. It's not <laughs> trying to trap us or trick us. Like we can fix this. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and the second class I'm also, I'm thrilled because it is about how to move knitters to the next step. So this really comes directly from my experience, not as a teacher, but as a knitter. So I remember that feeling of, you know, getting really, really excited. You learn how to knit, you learn how to purl, you learn how to cast on and bind off, and maybe a couple of simple increases and decreases. And you're really, really excited. But then you hit that wall of like, there's all this stuff that the pattern's telling me to do, and I don't understand how to do it. And why isn't anyone teaching me? And you know, and you kind of hit that wall of I can't quite cross the bridge between I learned the basics and I want to make a sweater, or I want to do fair isle, or I want to do cables. So it's a I call it my bridge class. It's how to get the knitters to cross the bridge and get to the next skill level. So
1: mm, awesome. So we'll have all this information in the show notes. So they and I'll link directly to the classes, so you can find out more on Annie's uh, Annie'sOnlineClasses dot com or anniescatalog.com. dot com. So there's many different ways to get there. Um, so uh, so Patty, just a few more questions before we wrap up, and I'll switch gears again just for a little bit. What is the best advice that you've ever received in my life?
0: Holy yeah, moly. why not? I was going to um, I was going
1: to say I guess to narrow that 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 scope down for for your knitting life as a designer, but why not uh in life because, you know, um life, you know, kind of dictates our our knitting dictates our life in many ways, right? So, and vice versa. So, yeah. Huh.
0: Best well, advice. You know, it's uh, uh, one that pops into my head is actually um a little bit of the mirror image of what Eleanor said so Eleanor remember lady in the bar who was like why can't you just start something new well the opposite side of that coin before you can decide to start something new is to know when to move on and and many 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 years ago I was in Chicago and I had been doing a show um for three years, same show for three years. And when you, when you do the same show for three years, of course, you know, every day is different. Obviously things, new things happen. There's, but you are still watching and stage managing, you know, the exact same show every night. So you're seeing the same thing. And I was beginning to feel um, burned out and like I didn't have anything new to contribute. Um, And I was talking to the stage manager in the next theater and he said this very he said here's how i know when it's time to move on very simple very very simple think to yourself how do you feel when it's time to put on your coat and step out the door and go to work mm. that's it it's that simple really how do you how do you <laughs> feel and if mm. more often than not you feel dread or when you are finishing your how do you feel on your last day of vacation when it's time to come back to work you know and he said we all have those momentary ugh, for work but if it's every day it's time to move on
1: but don't and you I think said, there's a way to you know make that better you know some people can't just pick up and move on you know what i mean in that moment
0: yeah it depends i mean part of that is knowing when What causes the ugh? Right. Mm -hmm. So, if it is something that you can make better or change or alter, is it the type of work you're doing? But in this case, there was everyone I was working with was great. You know, the people were great. The job had not changed, the job was what it was. But for me, I had done the same thing for three years. And it was, in fact, time to move on. There was nothing I could have made better because nothing was bad about the job. There was nothing wrong with the job. Hmm. It, 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 they, they were great people. But I, it, it's not necessarily a job-related piece of advice. It's just in life in general, whether it's you know your personal style or the food you always eat, um, it's sometimes just taking that two seconds to stop and think, how does this fill-in-the-blank make me feel every day, not once in a while, but every day. And I think in our culture, more than other cultures, um, quitting is really discouraged. You know, if you're a quitter, that's something negative. But in other cultures, it's not like that. I mean, serial careerism or, you know, moving, changing locations where you live, Uh, just trying new things, life being a series of different adventures. Um, And I think it's changing here in America where serial careerism and people moving around. That used to be flaky, considered flaky. You can't Mm -hmm. commit. You're a flake. You're a quitter. All negative things. But now I do think it's changing and uh, a friend, a friend of mine once said uh, that she, I should write a book called "The Art of the Quit." Mm. But I, I don't. It helped me that one little bit of advice. It helped me um, on a lifelong path of quitting. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I think it's not. It, it's it's sort of embracing that too, and not beating yourself up, right? If someone is experiencing this right now, and then just saying, okay this is a message. It's, it's, it's something that I need to pay attention to. And, you know, just being gentle with yourself and saying, it's time for a new chapter, you know, and how am I going to start the next chapter? So it's not about, oh, this job is, it's terrible. And oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I hate it. Well, like you said, it, the job is the same, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over and over. So it's a message from, yourself really, you know, from the universe, whatever you want to call it, but it's time for a new chapter. And I like, I like thinking of it in that way, you know, that the chapter, because it's like being gentle and embracing what is and saying, all right, now I'm going to figure out how I need to move on to the next place for me.
0: Yeah. And it was a great job and I was happy. It made me happy to hand it to a new person where and I remember the, the day, you know, when I was training the new person to take over, you know, I said, I'm so excited for you and and you discovering anew all the joys that I had in this job. You know, it was, it was time to hand it to someone else and have them be really excited and fall in love with it. But, you know, it's kind of like mm. what Jon Stewart said, uh, although I'm still not over the fact that he, he's leaving. Um, he said that the show is too good to... It deserves a host that is not even a little bit restless, he said. So that's the idea for him. He knew as much as he loved that show, he loved the Daily Show, he loved the job. It was a great job. Nothing negative. Nothing negative. It was just time to move on to something new.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think sometimes we can be very the society can be very judgmental about about moving from one thing to another. Mm -hmm. And I hope that, you know, terms like flighty and flaky and, you know, quitter and that that starts to go away more and more.
1: I think it is. And um, I'm seeing that culture evolve, uh, you know, definitely in the like the indie preneur scene. And there actually, there actually is a book called quitter, by the way, (gasps) Patty, it's a it's a great book. It's by it's by john acuff. And I'll, I'll mention okay. it in the show notes, um, actually. And it's great because he he, he basically, it's like, uh, it doesn't say go ahead and quit tomorrow, but it's um, anyway, like how to really embrace where you are, you know, but make, mm. make the situation that you're in work for you before you put all your ducks in a row too. But anyway, it's just that the, the, it's, it's, it's a great approach, you know, and uh, but yeah, I think that mindset is definitely changing because yeah. a lot of these... You know, entrepreneurs that are really crushing it out there. They're they're in that they're the millennials. You know, they're the ones that are like we're, we, we. You know, everyone thought oh they're flaky. Oh, they're the ones that are like they keep changing jobs. But they're they're the ones that are like uh, you know they're uh, they're doing amazing things. Um, so so and yeah. none
0: of us in 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 this industry. I mean, hardly anybody. I, when I teach at TNA that are the business conference for us. Um, I always make a joke of like, so how many of you can say, well, I, in high school, I was in my knitting club and then I went to college and I majored in, um, in knitting and then I got my master's degree in knitting <laughs> retail, you know, like, not, you know, I'm teaching a class to a bunch of retailers and I say, no, we all came from different places. Right. Mm-hmm. So we came from, you know, I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I was a therapist, I was a, you know, and. Everyone has come to this industry from different places. And so we all bring our experience. um, And that's what I was teaching in the class about how to be open to not say, oh, well, that fill in the blank, that old job that I had, that doesn't relate to running a knitting store. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to open their minds to that every every bit of their life experience relates.
1: They're all bridges. You know, everything we've done is a bridge to the next place. Stepping stones, bridges, whatever you want to call them. So don't burn bridges. <laughs> yeah. well,
0: so the, <laughs> the one profession that, that everyone laughed at when when people were raising their hands and saying what they did and and how, you know, it could relate. So some people figured like, oh, I'm an accountant and everyone understood how that would relate course, to retail, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But one person said um, that she was a psychiatrist and I had 45 people in this class and all the other 44 people went, oh, yeah. <laughs> Like that one they all got. Oh, oh, you're a psychiatrist. Oh, I bet you use that every day running a yarn store. Like everyone got that one. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: So, Patty, uh, before we say goodbye, uh, this has been a great call. So we probably need to wrap it up. So can you share some parting wisdom? You've given already lots of, you know, (laughs) great nuggets. But now this is where you really have to give the win. (laughs) But um, some parting wisdom for the budding designer, maybe, or a piece of knitting confidence geared toward the everyday knitter or a combination of both. I mean, you know,
0: those are two very different. Okay. So budding design, advice for the budding designer or say the, say the second one. So, or
1: or the, you know, just a piece of knitting confidence geared toward the everyday knitter.
0: Okay. I'll do the, so I'll do them both. Um, okay. So advice for the budding designer. Um, I guess I would say that, that understand there are a lot of different ways to be a designer. And find the way that is right for you so there are the designers that are amazing artists and paint with their yarn sculpt with their yarn and might take a really long time to create one piece but that one piece is a Wow if that's not you don't judge yourself by that and try to shove yourself in that mold by the same token if it takes you a long time to create one piece, but it's a wow, and then you look at other designers and go, oh, they've published you know, eight things in the past three months, but that's not you. Don't try to shove yourself in that hole. So there's a lot of different ways to be a designer, and I think sometimes a lot of time and energy is wasted trying to compare your style and method with other designers. Try to figure out what it is that you do and then do it really well. And do not waste a second of energy spending time on Facebook, looking at what other people are doing and thinking, why aren't I doing that? Because that's just their, their dragons be, their madness lies. So that, that would be my advice to designers. I don't know if that's as practical mm-hmm. as you were hoping for.
1: No, that's that's great. I mean, because I think why be a cookie cutter? I mean, you, you know, you think of those designers that are really just, you know, prolific or, you know, just doing really well in their place. I mean, in their space, um, you know, they didn't look at, at what others were doing. They just, it, and I, and I, when I talk to the, to those types of designers, they're just like, well, you know, this is just what I do. I just, I, they don't think about it. They just do yeah. it. You know what I mean? And that's, the, that's what's really different. That's what differentiates them from everyone else because they just do what they do and they don't yeah. worry about anybody
0: else. And, and for knitting, you know, I love um, when beginner knitters don't know what they're not supposed to know. It's the greatest thing in the world. Like I had mm. this one guy in my class, uh, his name's Daniel, and he learned how to knit. So knit, purl, cast on, bind off, Boom. And then he's like, oh, this Gansey sweater looks neat. I'll do that. Fair Isle, I'll do that. Because no one told him he wasn't supposed to do that next. He wasn't allowed to do that next. So not knowing what you shouldn't be doing next is a fantastic thing. So don't let other people tell you, oh, well, you're not advanced enough for that. And it might take you a really long time, but if you want to learn something new if you want to make something because looking at that sweater inspires you and you want to have that and you want to make that go for it it might take it may take take you a long time and you can stop and rip things out and try again but but I love not knowing what you're not supposed to do next I think that's the greatest thing for a knitter that's to really go, great go <laughs> to go from garter to like a Gansey sweater. That's freaking awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome advice. Thank you so much, Patty. So now where can everyone find you?
0: Um, in Brooklyn. No, <laughs> <laughs> um in, in the very, very difficult to remember website, com,
1: And that's L-Y.
0: L-Y-O-N-S. P-A-T-T-Y. L-Y-O-N-S. I'm not cute enough to use the I, like with the smiley face dot over it i decided that when i was a kid like i have to spell patty with a y because i'm just not a i dotted with a heart kind of person so p-a-t-t-y-l-y-o-n-s um i as i say to my mother just add dot com that's all you have to remember it's just my name dot com um so that's kind of my launching pad so from there you can find everything there's my blog my um Teaching schedule of where I'm traveling next, if you want to know if I'm coming to your town or coming to your area, um, all my online teaching, uh, all my designs, everything. All of me is on that one place. All of you. All Yay. of me. My Twitter, <laughs> my Twitter, my Twitter, my YouTube, my, my Facebook, everything. And now that I have this new space, I can film more YouTube videos. So I'm finally going to get the YouTube channel really happening again.
1: Ooh, that's good to know because yeah. we may have to do some projects together. Yeah. We'll we'll chat next month. That that'll be, you know We'll
0: do a split a split screen. Oh yes. that would yeah. be fun.
1: Oh absolutely. That would be fun. And um yes, I have some really fancy software that we can <gasps> Yeah, we'll we'll talk.
0: We'll you talk. have all the toys and the tools. <laughs> you're, know. You're, you're you have all the cool tools. Oh gosh. She's like the girl with the cool toys. <laughs>
1: I can't get enough. So, Patty, this was awesome. Thank you so much for being on the Power Pearls podcast.
0: You're so welcome. You're the only person that I would wake up at nine in the morning on a Saturday to talk to. Oh, thank you. And I was out very late last night, which is not like me. So this mm-hmm. was extraordinary. Oh, but it was a, it was a big night last night.
1: Well, thank so. you. Well, that's great. Thank you, Patty. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode with the one and only Patty Lyons. Gosh, I always have so much fun when I talk to Patty and, you know, having her on the Morning Cool Down was such a great experience as well, and I knew I had to have her on the Power Pearls podcast as well. And I just want to let you know a little special special gift that Patty is giving to all of the listeners and it's 20% off of her new Annie's Video Classes. We just finished uh, taping uh, just not too long ago. I was actually uh, able to be there on the set with Patty being a, being the producer of the knitting classes at Annie's and so that's a really great, that was a really great experience and as we like to call Patty on set, one take Patty, because <laughs> she's amazing to work with and uh, you know, just just a whole lot of fun too. Everyone loves her at Annie's. So the classes are Knitting ER, How to Fix Your Mistakes, and How to Read Your Knit Stitches and Master the Pattern. These are two classes that are perfect for you if you're a knitter that's ready to go to that next level and, you know, really put some more um, tools in your knitter's toolbox. So these will really, really really help you uh, in many ways. So you really should take advantage of this special offer. So for Knitting ER, if you put the offer code E-A-J-K-E-R and you enter that at checkout, you'll get 20% off. And for How to Read Your Knit Stitches and Master the Pattern, you'll get 20% off if you enter at checkout E-A-J-R-K-S. And both of these offers expire December 31st, 2016. So you can check these out now by going to powerpearlspodcast.com. They're going to be listed in the show notes, the links for these classes. And you can look for episode six, which is with Patty. So you can just search for that in the top right-hand side, or you'll just see it on the main show notes page. And I hope you enjoyed the show. See you next time.